Hey, if you think you might be lost because you got lots of new thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool, cause you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice for not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if you knew, then you'd be pissed, so get informed. Happy holidays, lovely audience of listeners, and welcome back to Getting Informed, a leftist lit podcast. You know, today's date outside oh. is Saturday, December 19th. It's cold outside, depending on where you are. Yeah, maybe it's not cold outside. The list of you places where it is cold outside shrinks with every passing day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a little climate change. Uh, but you know what? If you want to warm up the cockles of your heart, we're going to finish this fucking book and you can burn it along with the rest of your hopes Actually, for the nature of police in this country. Actually, don't, because it's really good. No, 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 it's yeah, great. No, pass, pass it on to your, your friends and family. In fact, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to lend this to my mom uh, as soon as we're done. Because <laughs> she's like, I got to read it. And I'm like, Based yes, mom, you and do got to read it. I was going to lend it to my dad, so I'm glad we all have the same sort of vibe. Uh, I was more referring to the fact that finally you can let your hate fire warm you up enough to put this book down as we're going to finish it today. Yeah, we're welcome gonna... everybody to the end of policing part, whatever part this is. The end, the end of... of... <laughs> <laughs> we are going to do chapters 8, 9, and 10 and the conclusion. So chapters gang suppression, border policing, political policing, and conclusion. Those are my favorite kinds of policing. Yeah, I was going to say, he like really stacked the, the back end of this book. <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with the best kinds of very normal police activity? Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally normal and uh, legal and uh, ethically cool policing. The right? kind of policing that is provided for in the Bill of Rights. And and don't mm-hmm. you love how uh, he specifically had to include separate sections for international political policing and then one specifically for the United States because uh, it's so bad. Oh, Intel Pro waits for no man, Dylan. <laughs> uh, but before we start, do we want to do any of the current events segments, my guys? My guys, gals, non-binary pals? Proud boy news segment. Okay. Oh, yeah, we should get a theme for that. Is it just like screaming? <laughs> it's just me howling with rage. Just ah. Um. <laughs> we have an audio clip we play at the beginning. Um. Okay. So there were two DC marches. Mm. Uh, the first of which was the Million MAGA March, uh, which I, think we I have to about cover. That a little. That was that was a fucking while ago, um, but we never covered it. So oh well, okay. There was the Million MAGA March uh, where four people were stabbed, I believe, uh, in the streets of Washington D.C. Enrique Tarrio also, or was that a different? No, one? that was the night before or two nights okay. before. <laughs> that was um, definitely talked about. That I remember yeah, that yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, and then um, there were also there was another one. Um, where over a thousand Proud Boys deployed in DC on the 13th uh, and performed many activities such as wearing Proud Boy kilts and mooning cameras um, and also getting stabbed. Four Proud Boys were stabbed when they attempted to like 50 on one bum rush a black block uh, protester who tried to flee. They did not 
they, they like cornered him. He could not run. So he pulled a knife and said, basically, and like brandished it and was like, let me go. Uh, they rushed him 50 on one and uh, beat him very badly while he was on the ground. But four of them were stabbed. Uh, there were also two from, from what I can tell proud boy affiliated, uh, fuckeries that occurred in Olympia, Washington, where there were fascist, uh, there were anti-fascist and fascist clashes. Um, and, uh, on the 6th and the 13th of this month, um, people were shot in Olympia, Washington, both times, uh, right-wingers fired with, uh, handguns at the anti-fascists. Uh, nobody died. Uh, okay. uh, on the sixth, someone was skimmed. The bullet yeah, uh, grazed. Saw the picture. And Ooh. then uh, the thirteenth, someone was hit center of mass, oh, uh, head on, and survived, but was shot in the torso. God damn. The Proud Boys also deployed today, the nineteenth, in Northeast Portland at a oh, uh, at a uh, toy delivery drive. What? Why? Um, Hold to on. deliver yeah. toys, Dylan. To deliver toys. <laughs> yes, actually. Um, really? Like, really? Yes. Uh, like twenty-five Proud Boys showed up in full uniform to drop off trash bags full of toys at a toy drive. No. Uh, today in Northeast Portland. Um, so <sighs> that happened, and like, a, like Sergio almost was there and was like filming it, and was like, <laughs> "What the fuck is going on?" Because they were doing the Proud Boy thing where they sort of stand shoulder to shoulder. Um, they stance up. They stance up and they just kind of wait for a while and then they all left. But what? they like stanced up to deliver toys for children. Have yourself a fascist little Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Imagine Your opening a prison. Be white. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> You better watch out. You better watch out. I'm trying to think of a, a pun about George Lincoln Rockwell coming to town, but the name is so long and unwieldy that I don't think you can. Uh, you know, I bet there's some sort of like, you could do like a, like a Norman Rockwell joke, like Christmas. Uh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm Dylan, George Lincoln now. Rockwell. No, I know, but I'm saying you could, you could, if you tried hard enough, you could make a joke out of it. Dylan, Not that I'm going to even Did a taser just go off? Because uh, I think your gamer setup just had some serious <laughs> feedback there, champ. Did it? What, what happened? What did it sound like? Describe it. It, it sounded, sounded like, like a got, taser. It, yeah, it sounded like you got tased in the balls. The Proud Boys found what? you. The Proud Boys found you. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> They're at uh, my door, bro. Oh, oh uh, uh, I think you guys would get a kick out of this. Um, there's also a... Uh, a currently a sort of conflict going on between Christopher Cantwell, who was a prominent right winger at the Charlottesville rally and the bull patrol. What is the bull patrol? Oh God, dude. Okay. So the bull patrol are a group of, uh, uh, they're like Gen Z Nazis who call themselves the bull patrol after Dylan Roof's haircut. Oh God! Yeah, they they idolize Saint Dylan or Saint Roof, and uh, they call themselves the Bull Patrol because of the hair. And um, I was literally gonna make a joke about how it's all coconut heads from Ned Declassified, <laughs> and I guess I was psychic. What? Yes. Uh, so there's a great heads. episode of I Don't Speak German about that that you guys should all listen to, as well as our lovely audience of. Uh, 
ghouls and boomers, but... The two genders. Yeah. <laughs> of which there are only two. Oh, of course. I, ghouls and boomers. I know I'm just a guest, but I want to put this podcast official stance out there. There's only oh. ghouls and boomers. Yeah, there are two genders, ghouls and boomers. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we say it one more time, it's cemented as truth. Who wants to be the Beetlejuice? The dichotomy of man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anything else big in the newsies? Oh, Uh, what isn't? Yeah. I mean, there were the 1212 rallies in Washington, D.C., which were two dueling Christian extremist, I would say more like dominionist uh, Republican rallies. Uh, And for any Survivor fans out there, uh, a Survivor alumni named uh, Anna Kate gave a speech uh, at the Women for America First rally. No! She led a chant with all of the people in the crowd. Uh, Knowledge Fight, the podcast, covered this rally. It was very, very good episode. Uh, she, she did a chant where everybody just chanted Jesus a bunch of times <laughs> uh, in order to uh, scare off the witches and warlocks that were bearing down. Uh, word for word, witches and warlocks that were bearing I thought it was down to summon the them. Trying to take away their positive energy. Oh, and great. she was walked off stage by a man in a uh, red smoking jacket who was very obviously day drunk. Um, oh, so beautiful. Any survivors so any smoking jacket great guy. shit. Oh, my God. Uh, there so the was... Pillow guy was at both of them. The fucking MyPillow guy. The who? <laughs> uh, you're going to have to explain this one a little bit. So the owner of MyPillow, you know, the, like, indie pillow brand? No, I, I've oh. never heard of MyPillow. Maybe yeah, it's, it's you know, like, it's one of those things that advertises, uh, advertises on podcasts where it's like, do you not sleep well enough? Fucking MyPillow. You know, it's, it's, it's like, like a, it, It's like if a body pillow was the size of a normal pillow. So you, it's like you so hug it or you use it on your head and it, it's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But it, it like, it, it's more, it's like, it has all the benefits of memory foam without being hot and stiff like memory foam is. Oh. It's actually they, a great pillow. It's, that, it's, it's a, a shame that like such a, yeah. Go for it. Oh, it's just a shame that the MyPillow guy is like an open Christian dominionist fascist. Because <laughs> it's a great were, product. They became infamous from their like, massive online ad campaign because they were advertising on fucking everything for like three years didn't he wasn't he one of the guys largely responsible for paying kyle rittenhouse's bail i would imagine yeah was was there ever any i I can't remember but that's not surprising i think it was yeah i think it was the my pillow guy (laughs) him or the overstock ceo who dated Maria Butina, the Russian spy. The literal and, Russian spy! And on InfoWars the other day, uh, claimed to have been part of a sting operation led by President Obama to bribe Hillary Clinton in 2016. What? Um, to use his blackmail. What? Again, knowledge fight. I wish, into, I, I, I wish I could be more clear. That's literally what he claimed. I really want to cover the, the book that they just wrote. To solicit a bribe from paid the Overstock CEO to solicit a bribe from uh, Hillary Clinton in order to blackmail her into becoming a good president. I, uh, I really want to read uh, for this podcast the book that the Knowledge Fight guys wrote. It's called uh, The Quiet Part Loud, mm-hmm. just Quiet Part Loud. And I think that it would be a really good book for this podcast. There's a, it's uh, for free online, but you should throw some, uh, some money their way. It's by donation. It's on a website and they have a free audiobook. 
Uh, again, throw throw a donation if you can, but we're kind of broke. Well, hey, I mean, we have a lot of more classic theory to read too, but I'm oh, sure yeah. we'll get to, to Charles Marxist, whatever. Charles Marxist. I think we should read the entirety of Capital for fun. <laughs> for fun. Uh, and we should, we should do uh, a check-in every hundred pages. So it'll be a 10-episode series. Colin, I would need a check-in like every page. That is one of the most obnoxiously... I, did, yeah. I didn't even read it for fun. I had to read some of it for school this last term. And that is the most obnoxiously dense shit I've ever tried it's to read It's fucking economic theory. Of course it's obnoxiously dense. It's fucking economic theory. Hey. Yeah, but what if it was not hard to read? It wouldn't be academia then, would it? If any plebeian could read it, then what would be the point of uh, sitting atop the ivory tower? All right, you're right, you're right. Al is posing with the end of policing uh, and uh, wiggling in a... Uh, Panic sort of way. I, yeah, I was going to say discomfort. Discomfort was the word I was going to use. And so I think, I think uh, to acknowledge her struggle, we should continue to not talk about the book for another 45 to 55 minutes. That was my plan. I yeah. actually do have a quick uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse update. You're talking about his Oh, I shouldn't laugh. And it's so, Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so apparently we were talking about, like, you know, who helped bail out. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Charles and it turns Rittenhouse. Out that, that actor Ricky Schroeder, who is known no for being in shows such as the classic NYPD Blue and oh. uh, two shows I've never heard of in my entire life. What was the um, second show? Uh huh. What was the second show? Silver Spoons. What? Don't Beats the fuck out of me, dude. Continue, please. Um, but apparently, he said in an interview with everybody's favorite publication, the New York Post, um, that he donated, quote, hundreds of thousands, end quote, <laughs> of dollars uh, uh, for his bail. Like, Unbelievable. I remember when that happened, and I thought to myself, of course this happened, and then didn't think much about it. But it's deeply concerning mm -hmm. that, like... He committed multiple murders yeah. in, like, politically motivated street violence. In right broad night. daylight. <laughs> and is, is, I think it was at night, actually. It was in broad... Yeah. Uh, under, the night of the, uh, under the light of the harvest moon. Ah, of but, course. Um, it, yeah, like, he's being heralded as, like, a right-wing hero and, like, being lauded... And, you know, that, that uh, fucking unhinged couple who brandished guns at BLM protesters, like, mm -hmm. they were invited to speak at the fucking RNC. Yeah, wait, hold on. I you forgot know, about that. That was crazed. Yeah. And, you know, what's equally galling is that that couple, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and Donald Trump, are all represented by Lynn Wood. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're all represented by Lynn Wood. Uh, Lynn Wood what? What would Lynn do? <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's the only joke I had. That's the last one in my brain. I couldn't do anything else. All right. Is uh, it time to is end time the policing? I'd even say it's the end of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. The end of jokes for the end of the end of policing.
Am I on like a six second delay? Because I said that like a little while ago. Then yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> okay, um, cool. Okay. <laughs> now we see the Bulbasaur. Very good. All right. A deeply dejected. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll we'll try and be sensitive to that and make sure you get your time to talk. Um, chapter eight, gang suppression. Pull up on your books, ladies and gents. Uh, what struck me uh, most... Turn to page 156 in your book. Yes, absolutely. Um, actually, what struck me most about this chapter, especially in the beginning, was it comes right after the War on Drugs chapter, and it shares a lot of the same traits with the War on Drugs, such as victim blaming and the police's needless aggression being a mm-hmm. large cause of why the crime is the way it is. They point out that, like, all of the loyalty that police were so worried about in gangs and like the machismo and stuff is pretty much only there because of the constant threat of police violence to their members. So. Um, what kind of struck me most about this chapter was how so much of the, the failure in like policing gangs is from like critically just I'd almost willfully misunderstanding how gangs work, how they function, what drives gang membership. Um, and the police are like, well, uh, who cares? Just just arrest. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that sort of speaks, in my opinion, to general like conservatism as an ideology generally uh like the way that you know the way that the republicans have the break it and then point at it and say that it's broken willful ignorance sort Mm -hmm. of you know they defund education and then say oh schools don't work as an excuse to further defund education it's the same weaponized ignorance Mm -hmm. it's actively punishing communities over policing them and actually increasing violence with your presence and Mm -hmm. then using the increased violence as an excuse for further policing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It becomes an endless cycle of violence perpetuated by the police. Please. uh, Sorry, Gwen. Oh, I just say it's kind of like that meme where Eric Andre is shooting Hannibal Burris. And just like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, why that, would the liberals do this? Why would yeah, gangs exactly. do that? Why would black on black crime? Oh my God. <laughs> I literally had an NYPD officer ask me about black on black crime during a George Floyd protest one time. Oh my God. You were there, cool. Dylan. You remember that. I, yeah, I, 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 I unfortunately witnessed it. Oh, God. What a nightmare. I love it. Deeply <laughs> crazed. It was the most crazed possible response. It was just like, well, what about black on... Why aren't you protesting black on black crime? And it's like, first, that's I'm picturing... Just, oh, sorry. You No, you finish. You finish. Oh, like, racializing crime in that way is not only unhelpful, but is actively harmful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm picturing like a blonde goatee and no mask. This cop has told you that. No mask, a black woman, five, nine was a really, this yeah. was the same group of police that when we asked them if their body cameras there were like were 12 on, of them, yeah. they, they laughed, right? Yeah. We asked them where their body cameras were and they laughed. Yeah. Mm. And then blamed I'm us going- for not having body cams. <laughs> Of course. I'm going to be on my deathbed and remember the time I saw Colin Orton screech at a police officer, put a mask on, hot dog neck. (laughs) In my consciousness forever. Um, Oh, but I wanted to touch on what you said about willful ignorance and like two examples of in the book, he talks about 
two examples of police just fundamentally misunderstanding how gangs work is their belief of in hierarchical like uh, gang structure that if they take out the guys at the top then the whole rest of the thing will fall apart without realizing that gangs are mostly lateral in structure and there's a lot of like promotion and demotion between the ranks and if someone falls there's just going to be someone else to take the place well i mean not clearly oh go for it oh well also the targeting of youth like Mm -hmm. for for crimes is not even evidence of crimes sometimes just like being young and a person of color and hanging out with their friends in public is enough of being a suspect of is enough to justify being suspected of being in a gang and therefore being a target of state violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of state violence, of stop and frisks, of like just her- general harassment. Um, something that really uh, 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 stuck out to me was like sort of the, the, um, uh, the juxtaposition in that like police are so like ignorant about, yeah, how a gang structure actually works, but at the same time also like convinced that like they're the only ones mm-hmm. that have like the tools to deal with it. <laughs> the um, thin blue page, line. Uh, yeah, from page 157, officers often come to believe that they are the only ones who understand the nature of the problem and the need for heavy-handed tactics to deal with young people who openly defy their authority. They see police executives who embrace community policing and preventative measures as empty suits handing over nature neighborhoods to the gangbangers and deride non-law enforcement efforts as empty hand, empty handed coddling of hardened criminals. Mm-hmm. It is so funny how they don't get the connection between the, the creation of hardened criminals and being under constant police supervision for your entire mm-hmm. life. Like, you know, it would harden you like you wouldn't fucking yeah. believe is being under constant police supervision for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Also, I would like to apologize to myself and to my future spawn, if they may be, and to like everyone who knows me, because um, this book actually made me learn a thing that apparently movies and rumors had made me unlearn a thing. You know that myth about how like, if you can't ever leave a gang when you join, like, if you try and leave, you're going to get murdered or hazed or something. The book says uh, that's not fucking true. Um, gang members are often almost always allowed to leave, sometimes with something as small as a new job or a new baby. Like, well, they I mean, stress that like, gangs no one are businesses do- like any other. Yeah, and they fully stress mm-hmm. that people know that it's not safe and that if they have better options, they will pursue them. So this is just another case of improve the communities. <laughs> if you improve material conditions, you will have less crime. Yes, the Wild opposite. Thought. Yeah, remember broken windows policing? The opposite of that. The, uh, the failure of police to understand the concept of lateral organizing... is deeply funny to me because it reminds me beautifully of the failure of DHS to understand the hierarchy or lack thereof of Antifa and how like the DHS spent like two months trying to infiltrate and locate like the Antifa headquarters and like the CEO of Antifa when Jeff Bezos it's uh it's it's, it's george soros yeah it's uh <laughs> oh yeah it's george soros oh my god <laughs> oh lord Christ. i love that uh, speaking of a uh, dhs did you guys see recently that a whistleblower 
said that they were pressed to uh, overstate the role of far left groups in violence during the protests over the last couple months. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, I what a surprise. I would have never seen it coming, not in a million years. Damn, they really they really pulled the rug out from under me on that one. Oh, we'll get to that in the political yeah. violence chapter. The, just oh, like yeah. I guess as a preview, the really frustrating thing is that it worked. You know, the, it, those oh, assholes got what they were what they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. I think the first time that I ever realized police might be corrupt is when I learned about the concept of political prisoners. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, people are arrested just for political activism? Wait a minute. Um, uh, going back, back to, to gangs. Uh, gangs, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, something that I wasn't very familiar with um, that this, re- this chapter really highlights is the prevalence and honestly horrifying nature of like gang databases. Um, in mm-hmm. particular, um, from 164, the, the page 164, the California uh, statewide database um, that is, quote, populated with the names of hundreds of thousands of young people, the vast majority of whom are black or Latino. And then this, like this drove me absolutely wild. And I can't believe it's not talked about, but that quote, officers can enter names at will based on association associations, clothing, or just a hunch. There are very few ways of getting your name removed from the list. Many people do not even know whether or not they are on it. Like, just what an incredible, like, violation of civil liberties. And I, I, I can't believe that's not something, you know, people get mad about. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we did that with the sex offender registry. Imagine if you could be put on the sex offender registry for as little as a hunch and not even know you were on it. Just I like, mean, that's how the no-fly list works. Oh, yeah. Fuck, we do it a lot. <laughs> we, we make lists of people we think are bad. And, you know, everybody, ha- like, Americans, we have this, like, exceptionalist idea that not only, like, are we the great, but we, not only are we so great, but we, like, me as in the individual is the main character of the story. And because I'm mm. the main character, nothing bad can happen to me. So mm. we're, we as the culture are willing to let a lot of bullshit slide and just kind of sweep it under the rug with the belief that, like, if that is happening to you, you deserve it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not on it, you did the right thing. But you, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right about how we think, but I don't like, like, I don't like accepting it. <laughs> Dylan. Oh, yeah, no, like, it's, it's bullshit. It's awful. And, you know, when I, when I die <laughs> one day and scared. I end up in either heaven or hell, I'm going to find Horatio Alger and... Going to kick the shit out of him. The fucking dick. <laughs> Good, do it. Yeah, I will. I want a webcam view of that. Okay, Colin, you were gonna say, Dylan. <laughs> I've been from heaven. When we watched uh, Watchmen, when we watched The Men together, uh, <laughs> the, the TV series, not the movie. Just to clarify, uh, you discussed the concept of a quote lib police state, unquote. Mm-hmm. And I have since had two thoughts about it that I think I'll share now. This is the the Watchmen Power Hour. (laughs) Um, The first being, actually three thoughts. Uh, And Dylan, you're familiar with this one, but you know how they wear the the tight yellow masks, uh, the Watchmen police? Yeah, Yeah, the half masks, the the, um, gators. They were adopted as uh, Dylan and Gwen knows, but I don't think I told Al. They were adopted as a standard by some units of the Seattle Police Department. The literal, like, fantasy yellow gators used in Watchmen, the science, like, like, 
the comic book series were adopted by the the Seattle Police Department? Why though? That really is art imitating life, or is it life imitating art? It's life like imitating art. Either way, yeah, can you even believe it? Uh, it's so a travesty either way. This makes no sense. I don't want to live in this world anymore. 2020, please stop. I don't want to be in Watchmen. <laughs> I, I, like, part of me, especially because, like, I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life because I chose to go to college. Like, I, I, I don't like the idea of, like, in order to be, like, a member of society, you have to be this, like, super educated person because educated people can be just as much of like assholes as anybody else. It's a class signifier. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, America really needs a media literacy class, like standard in elementary school, just to learn how to fucking interpret and read. Mm -hmm. Parse media that they like. So that Mm -hmm. way you don't end up being the Seattle police department and appropriating fascist, like fictionally fascist, uh, iconography. Yeah. If I hear one yeah. more person tell me that Rorschach is their hero, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit necrope. I swear to God. Commit <laughs> <laughs> necrope. I'm gonna auto erotic asphyxiate myself. <laughs> uh, but back on gangs. Oh, <laughs> um, wait, Colin did uh, second thought. Point this two. Is, Al, this California is the Watchmen is Power Hour. I'm sorry for interrupting the Watchmen Power Hour. Continue. Uh, point two. California is a lib police state. Really? Yeah. Explain. Now. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, California is sort of a model of the United States in a lot of ways. It's the world's fifth largest economy and the largest economy inside the United States. It has, I believe, the largest population of any U.S. state uh, mm-hmm. with more people living in L.A. County than live in most of the country. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, most of like most of the other states put together. And uh, California has a huge carceral issue. Like it is, it has a vast sweeping prison system, despite being a generally blue and being perceived as a progressive state. Uh, Top cop hashtag girl boss Kamala Harris uh, reigned supreme from California, uh, wielding the jackbooted thugs of uh, California police departments against... uh, the trans women and homeless people. Oh my. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's basically what I think is sort of Dylan, the real life example of the, of the watchmen society. It's just California. Point the third. Oh, there's another. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Third point. (laughs) Point the third. I realized why I thought that a lib police state was unrealistic. Yeah. And I realized it just now, which is why I'm going on this huge tangent. Do it. A lib police state is unsustainable. It will backslide into fascism, inevitably. Mm. Because a police state inherently consolidates power. That's what it does. It's a police state. It, by, by essentially... It has become illegitimate enough that the only mechanism by which the government maintains legitimacy is its armed enforcers. And in that situation, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, the people whose job it is to maintain the facade of legitimacy, lose their jobs because they have failed. Mm -hmm. They become irrelevant. 
and the only relevance becomes violence. I mean, even look at California and the West Coast generally, which is one of the most progressive areas of the, of the country, despite the fact that Portland has the most draconian police department in the nation. Mm. Uh, the founder of the Portland Police Association was a literal member of the German-American Bund. Well, not the founder, but the first president. You're the right. The founder Thank you, was Gwen. a pinball repairman who was genuinely <laughs> trying to do a good thing. Thanks, Gwen. You're welcome. Um, pinball repairman. But yeah, uh, the, the first president was a fucking Nazi who literally was part of an organization founded with Hitler money. And their theme song was Pinball Wizard. And so, like... <laughs> Oh, that was good. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Even an outwardly progressive police state or carceral state as we live in is always in danger of backsliding into fascism because the, the carceral state relies on vast corporate monopolies as its major economic sort of thing. Like the reason that a police state exists is because you haven't improved the material well-being of the citizens. Mm-hmm. And so instead of subjugating them or rather pacifying them through improving their material conditions and making them not want to rebel, you pacify them by beating the shit out of them when they try and rebel. Mm-hmm. And so I, Go ahead, go ahead and finish your thought. I want to raise a slight counterpoint that might tie us back into the end of policing. That, that was essentially you. it. It was, it was going to ramble on, but the, the, the major bullet points had been, okay. uh, had been hit. Okay. I, I just kind of like, as a counterpoint, and I think something that I've been thinking about as we've been, we're nearing the end of this book, we're, we're nearing the, the apex of this discussion on policing and Alex Vitale's just magnificent work and mm-hmm. kind of, something I just want to put out there is hearkening back to my very, our very first day, Colin, you were in that class with me of um, AP comparative government. Um, And it is uh, the German, (laughs) it's a German sociologist, Max Weber's uh, definition of the state, which is the, uh, his, the, the Weberian state basically is defined as whoever controls the monopoly of violence within a given territory. So the reason why that, like I was thinking of that specifically when Colin was kind of talking about uh, police states and backsliding into fascism is I don't think you can have, I kind of agree with Weber here in that I don't think you can necessarily have a state, at least within the modern context, without controlling a monopoly of violence on the population. I think that is inherent to the nature of the state and is reinforced when you look at how gangs are policed in America, because gangs themselves arise out of uh, cultural and community need for a better situation. And mm-hmm. the obsession with the police on the way that they specifically go after these gangs, you know, cops want to be like Elliot Ness taking down Capone, but that's not what gangs are today. And that's not mm-hmm. what they have been since the great depression. Mm-hmm. Well put. Oh yeah, and like you'll find, and he talks about in the book how like there is no input from the communities on how to take down the gangs in their area, like because a large large portions of the community either a don't see the gang as perpetuating the most harm when it comes to the police violence, or b are related 
in some way to the gangs. And I wanted to touch on what uh, Dylan said about uh, about the watch list with two of the mm-hmm. other things that struck me as ridiculous methods of policing the youth. Uh, one of which was on oh on 164, they basically create the same sort of vagrancy laws that they use against um, homeless people for suspects of gang activity. Uh, um, San Jose's injunction prohibits standing, sitting, walking, driving, gathering, or appearing anywhere in public view with someone suspected of being a gang member. They've also... You're being uh, suspected, too. Yeah. They talk about how... I'm sorry, I can't find the actual name of it, but... Well, first of all, they engage in entrapment with young boys on Facebook. Oh yeah! They literally engage in creating fake profiles and friend friend requesting young boys as being attractive women to gain access to secure information. Uh, But there's also like laws against the friends and family and work associates of anyone in the gang that they may not even know apply to them. Same as the watch list. There's a, where's the quote? People who have long since left gang life but remain in a database may find themselves or those they associate with criminalized for walking down the street together. Mm-hmm. That it's it's the same as it reminds me of so many of the other chapters that we've read through already that discuss the ways that it's more about getting the undesirable in air quotes out of the public eye than it is about actually persecuting crimes. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and I think this is a good way to uh, well, get into, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gwen. I was, I was going to agree with that. Like it, it's very clear that the idea isn't to reduce crime because if they wanted to reduce crime, there would be follow through on when these people leave gangs, helping mm-hmm. ensure that they don't feel a need to go back uh, or exactly. creating a community where people don't need to join one to begin with. It's not about reducing crime. It's and it honestly never has been. Dylan, go ahead. <laughs> I was oh just going to say, I uh, one of the ways I think this is most prevalent is in how we see the like reforms. Uh, uh, a lot of the uh, all of these reforms involve the police. Like the very people that are like, targeting and harassing these people are are inherently tied up with the you know um, rehabilitation, which is not how it should be. Um, I have from page one sixty nine. Quote, most young people who engage nice. in serious crime are already living in harsh and dangerous circumstances. They are fearful of other youth, abusive family members, and the prospect of a, of a future of joblessness and poverty. They don't need more threats and punishment in their lives. They need stability, positive guidance, and real pathways out of poverty. This requires long-term commitment to their well-being, not a telephone referral and home visits by the same people who arrest and harass them and their friends on the streets. Mm-hmm. I don't remember whether it's in the alternatives or reform section, but they even talk about how there's an organization. I cannot find the name of it. There's the former gang members that work as mentors and outreach to help people get out of gangs. And the police were sus of them because like, oh, they think that they carry anti-police bias. But that was actually what made their job work so well is because they Mm -hmm. understood the threat of police violence and were able to talk to a potential gang member youths on a real level. (laughs) Where's the quote? Beck came to understand this was exactly what made their work possible and brought them into discussion for the first time. The most concrete outcome was police support for the role of violence interrupters. So that's one of the alternatives. 
But... And Al, uh, what you had said about removing undesirables mm-hmm. uh, really reminded me of in San Francisco in the latter half of the 19th century. Uh, there were a series of laws passed that basically uh, criminalized being outdoors if you had a visible disability. Ugly laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were literally called the ugly laws. And if you were outside, you could be fined or arrested if you had an unsightly, quote unquote, deformity or impairment. That's so it's so wrong. It's mm-hmm. just wrong. And it's unbelievably fucked. <laughs> but I'll say this for the latter half of the 19th century. They had the same attitude as we have now. They were just mask off about it. Well, yeah. in fact, the, the last person arrested um, under an ugly law was in 1974. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? Yep. Yep. Not even kidding. The fact that they're called ugly laws, it's not even. No uh, uggos allowed. No uggos. <laughs> Get in uh, the fucking paddy I, I wagon. I would actually be in support of a law like that if it meant Mitch McConnell never had to go outside again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mitch McConnell's not going to be winning any beauty contest. <laughs> it's arrested leaving the Senate floor. You know, let's, <laughs> let's uh, not make fun of Mitch McConnell for how he looks. I feel like there's some other... Uh, More important targets. things to make fun of him for. <laughs> yeah, we could, that's we fair. Could go that's fair. I mean, the fact that he's literally like a withered vampire rotting before our eyes as whatever... Feasting on the blood heinous, of the American people. Whatever heinous gold. magic that holds his withered flesh together begins to unbind. Yes, yeah, slowly and slower and slower. Um, okay, we should... Do you want to get to alternatives and then end up this chapter? Yeah. Before uh, we get to alternatives... Let's say goodbye to our audience of boomers for now, and we'll see you next week on this podcast. Getting informed, a leftist literature podcast. podcast. We're actually doing cuts in the middle now. Yay. Let's see if I remember to keep doing that, because I don't think I will. (laughs) (laughs) It adds a little bit.